Welcome to Strongest on the Field Radio, where we aim to educate youth athletes, sports coaches, strength coaches, and parents on sports performance. I'll get us started. You guys ready? Good. Good. All right. Internet, welcome back to Strongest on the Field Radio. This is Juan G. Next to me, I got a couple of my friends. This is Chris P. from Deuce Athletics. And Ronnie from Deuce Athletics as well. And we're going to jump straight into it. We have some special guests uh, f- coming to us from Texas. Boys, you want to shout out name and kind of who you are? What's up, guys? I'm Luke Summers with Power Athlete HQ. Um, kind of run operations for uh, for the company. Work with John. Work with our uh, Wellborn. He's not on the show because um, you know he's out there doing whatever former NFL guys do. Um, yeah, and I guess I'll start with that, and we'll get into the the rest of it after that. Uh, Mr. Tex McQuilkin. Um what would you call my position here? Director of training. Sure. I essentially get to travel the world, teach people how to to teach people to move and then find the people doing something cool, movement, strength training, sprinting, and then uh, go sit down with them and learn from them in their own space. So awesome. Kind of some background for the internet out there that don't know us, don't know power athlete. Uh, Chris, Ronnie and I started our journey not too long ago. Um, and these are the guys, kind of a group we kind of looked up to, still look up to, learn a lot from. Uh, so this is really something special for them to kind of be on here, sh- share some knowledge. Um, so we'll jump into that. Um, Luke or Tex, I don't know who wants to kind of lead. Do you guys want to maybe run through the journey of yeah, you be, being an athlete, um, kind of maybe peaks in where that ran out, and then we can talk about how that <laughs> has uh affected our coaching position right you guys joke yeah. about it all the time like you guys no no that's it. not a joke let me tell you the <laughs> luke, real luke talks about peaking deal dude. Peak. listen i haven't even all began, the time i haven't even began to peak yet <laughs> you peaked when you were 18 no in sports perhaps so in terms of like my my athletic background i'm from chicagoland area a city called naperville um i, I was a football kid my first organized sport was football. Most of my buddies were in like little league and other sports. And I just really wasn't into it. I, you know, um, I wanted to ride my, my GT fucking bike with the, the gyro spin handlebars and just like skateboard and shit. But then my old man coaxed me into playing football. And, um, that was my primary sport up through up until college. But up until then also I was like, yeah, whatever. I'll get into some baseball, basketball, um, did some gymnastics. No soccer. Uh, what's that? No soccer. No, no soccer. Dude, Didn't want to go out on. there and pick daisies. I don't know. Oh my I mean, God. Damn. All right. Why? What's up? I'm a soccer player. Play- oh, were you? Okay. Shocker. So, so we have the, we always have the battle of soccer versus baseball and we always have the, de- that debate. So I just go always with, uh, let's go look at salary amount made per i know i've athlete. never seen i've never seen someone get paid so much for just uh, a Picking, little bit of organized grab ass Picking you know <laughs> neymar how much was this transfer uh, to a paris? quarter a quarter billion dollars neymar mm-hmm. to paris. you know the, so you have you have that salary and that payroll but then you have the organizations that pave the way in strength and conditioning like the nfl yeah. and football 
right? Yeah. All soccer players do is try to play, like try to train like football players. They well, can't hack it, dude. They just go I mean, on the streets, kick a rock around, kick a can across America, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> Next thing you know, you're a fucking wow. millionaire playing in the World Cup. Thank you. Thanks. That's the battle I'm trying to fight, though. Like being the, uh, in soccer, I have those circles. I'm trying to bridge that gap. I'm like, yo. We are allowed to train like football players. Uh, right now, I'm kind of getting resistance in that. They're starting preseason. Hey, we need to step back our training. I'm like, So you're going to stop hitting people in, during the game, or how does that work? Um, so, yeah, this, it's the battle that I'm fighting right now. Oh, yeah. And, you know, on that note, um, I think people are confused with replic- what demands of their sport that you really should replicate, right, in terms of in-training and what you're training for. And I think we'll probably circle back to this. Uh, because we get this a lot, you know, um, I got, let me fast forward then. So p- definitely peaked in high school, won a state championship, uh, no big deal. Play with Owen Daniels, who has a Super Bowl ring. So technically I have one. It's a complicated, you know, commutative property of playing high school football with a guy. But um, uh, my senior near senior year found out I developed a condition called hypolordosis of the cervical spine. And uh, the condition was exact. The symptoms were exacerbated by anterior contact like basically football you know head-on-head contact using your helmet as a weapon and i would black out for a second for two seconds on big hits uh then it was like medium hits then it was really light hits and you know i told my folks about it and like that's just not normal went to neurologist found out that there was some trauma occurring at the atlas of the spine and the brainstem so i had to hang up contact sports uh, or i had to hang up football for that year Still tried to play in college, went through some rehab. It didn't shake out. Like, uh, got to go through, like, all hell week and triple days and double days. And, you know, they threw on fucking Guns N' Roses, and it was the first day of pads. And I took a, a big hit and blacked out. So the coach knew it was up. Uh, so I had to hang it up. And basically the rest of my college career was spent drinking and lifting weights. I don't know, <laughs> going to school. What were you, know, you studying had, at that point? Were you studying to become a strength coach at that point? or No, not at all, man. My, so my degrees are t- very technical. I'm a computer science major and a math major. So I double majored in some technical degrees. I don't know, dude. Like, oh, it, listen, it was – I don't want to say it was easy. It made more fucking sense than having to, like, memorize body parts or, um, you know, look at business plan. Like, all this shit that I – because I went to a liberal arts school, so I got exposed to different courses in – nothing else made sense to me. And I'm like, ah, I'm a technical guy. I'm just going to roll with it. Uh, and I guess fast forward, graduated college after four years and like throughout there trained, you know, mostly aesthetics or chasing chicks and partying and, you know, playing some intramural sports and stuff like that. But, um, got a job right out of college at a corporate gig company called Navistar was basically a glorified spreadsheet manager. Okay. Let's just put it that way. So like, but learned quite a bit there about just business personnel development, got put on this cool management fast track. And after five, six years, I had a really great opportunity presented to me and I fucking political bullshit unraveled and I wanted to get out of there. And that's when, uh, I decided that, all right, I think I want to run a CrossFit gym because two or three years prior to that, a buddy, a now good clo- or close friend of mine opened a gym right down the street from me. It was CrossFit gym and I loved it. And then I was uh, coaching peewee football and I trained those kids in a parking lot with sprint shit that I learned from the, my coaches, uh, just regurgitating what my coaches taught me in high school. You know what I mean? And, uh, so I, I enjoyed the act of coaching and I thought, well, I'm going to become a firefighter. 
And then on my shift work, I'm going to run a gym with my buddy and be a firefighter. And it was about that time I went to the CrossFit football seminar, which is the, the now CrossFit sports specific application seminar, a specialty seminar for CrossFit that John, that John Wellborn started back in 08 and 09, right? 09. 09. Check that. Um, and went to that in 2011 and I'm like, holy fuck, it pulled back the curtain and we, we will probably get into some of this based off of, um, uh, some of the other questions, but pulled back the curtain on everything I thought I knew and, uh, recalibrated my approach to coaching. Um, it, it provided me a technical platform, which I sympathize with and relate to in terms of why things work, why we do certain things instead of just like, you know, being able to answer the question, why? Instead of random stuff, instead of CrossFit for sports. Yeah, yes. But even within the realm of CrossFit, you can structure it, you know, and that's ultimately what CrossFit football was. It was here's the CrossFit methodology. Here's a technical structure to this thing. And here's how we would deploy it to best prepare an athlete to excel in sports. So so that's a little bit. That's my background. And I guess how I. I, my, My coaching perspective was built off of my athletic, my athletic background. Right. So I was, I was never really, a, um, I, I don't know, like a technical, I guess I was just an average athlete. Like I was good. I was on the, like a good upper side of things. Things really came relatively easy to me. We were just on another podcast. I had great coaches unbeknownst to me. I had great coaches, uh, that truly cared about the development of the, uh, young athlete versus just what was, uh, Cuba also calling them transactional transaction coaches. coacher. Yeah. 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 So that, you know, transactional versus transitional. I forget. Cause all my guys are transaction. Coaches. Yeah. So, and Tex will elaborate on this cause he's a lot more poetic with this shit, but, um, you know, so, so that's really what grew me in terms of how to coach young athletes, kids. And, uh, you know, being that I peaked, at 18, right? Which is a fact. I, I only said that because I'm only repeating on what you say on the podcast. I peak at 18 every time I do a double bicep, baby. You see what I'm talking about? Look at that. Oh, wait, what, tribal what you guys can't see is his mustache. His yeah, mustache, mustache and mustache. tribal armband, like real creepy. I have yeah. a van with no windows as well. Um, <laughs> um, I'm almost curious asking, uh, like, what was your first experience of strength training? What was that like? Was it pretty early on? Did you have a good exposure on that? Because I know everyone's is a little bit different. Uh, my old man had a set of like metal, uh, just standard plates, little metal barbell that maybe, I mean, shit, it, it might've been 115 pounds that it, you could load it up to. But when I was a kid, I used to just pick things up, like not lifting weights, but that was my, like, I knew what weights were because of that. And then, um, I was a bigger kid, man. I was, uh, like in third grade, I was, I was a big kid. I was shit. I think 140 pound third grader on like the largest uh, pop Warner team in third grade. Oh, and then, no, that can't be right. That has to be sixth grade On sixth grade. I hit 140 pounds. So I was a big kid. Sounds, sounds about right. And, uh, like was 140 to 150 all through junior high. And then just still bigger on through grade school. So, and I was a stronger kid too. So I never really had to lift weights to be better than everybody. Right. Yeah. I was in a weight class. We were in weight class, pop Warner. Um, I matured early and then you get to high school And I still had an edge on a lot of the guys, but then my sophomore year is when everybody else fucking caught up to me. And then I went home and I told my dad, like, Hey, I got to lift some weights and through, he's a dentist. And he started asking every one of his patients, like, Hey, you got a guy who knows how to lift weights. Like it just kind of went like this. And, uh, turns out the the dentist he works with, 
just put me on a powerlifting program. Squat, bench, deadlift. Lucky. Squat, bench, deadlift. Drink all this creatine. Do it again, and we're going to do bicep curls until you can't do them anymore. And milk. You know, that's, were you on the milk train? No, you know, I not back then. It was just it was seafood. Eat whatever you wanted, and uh, and literally just banged weights with this guy, and put on sixty fucking pounds in an off season. Huge. Did you say seafood? Seafood. Like if you I see, see it, food. smash it. I see. Oh, I yeah. eat. I see. I eat. Yeah, uh, yeah. Luke, what so was not uh, like a Piscopalian, but <laughs> Luke, what was uh, your athletic journey, and then how did that transition uh, into coaching, and what was your first experience with uh, strength training? Who, me or Tex? Uh, uh, Tex, sorry. We look at, so for the listeners, we are like, we're basically twins. It's like Schwarzenegger and DeVito. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, no good? <laughs> no, it was funny the first 15 times, but. Uh, Today, for the record. <laughs> awesome. So uh, I, I got a long journey and essentially it's not over and uh, I'm glad it's not over. Um, and I'm still trying to pick up a lacrosse stick every once in a while, but to, to, get you started. I'm from Texas and a lacrosse player from Texas. And those two things are freaking, they don't belong together. Um, but I grew up playing football and in Texas is, it is life. If you've seen the movie Friday night lights, it's, it's exactly this. I'm from Katy, Texas in which a small town shuts down every single Friday for everyone to go to the high school games. Have you guys watched Friday night tights? No. And don't probably going to piss me off. So I'm not going to get it. Don't watch it. Sorry. Yeah, but that'll probably paint the picture a little bit of, of what it's like growing up. You know, there were some parents that took it a little serious like that, but for the most part, our parents were pretty good. Um, started lifting weights in sixth grade. That's just the way it was. And I recall why that is, why I remember this is because they bench, one RM does bench press, and then they divided the group. So it was... If you did not bench 85 pounds, you were put in like the, the small skills. So like the cornerbacks and all that. So during our off season, you would. And so this is sixth grade formal football didn't start till seventh. Um, so they, they wanted to get us ready and going for seventh grade football. So they tested us in the spring of sixth grade and then put us into groups. So I was scared. To sh- I didn't want to go run freaking laps with the, the, the cornerbacks. Right. So, um, I, my goal was 85 pounds and I just willed my way, never bench pressed before in my life to 85 pounds to just get in the weightlifting group. Thank, thank God I made it. I don't know what my life would be like if I was put with the, uh, the other guys. But, um, so essentially we start lifting weights in sixth grade. That's just the way it is in Texas. And then, uh, zero formal coaching. It's just, Hey, do this. Hey, do that. The weights are here. Go. And a coach literally sits in the corner, reading a magazine, flipping through it. Um, I don't know what what to say i forget the coach's name but you know no instruction it's just do this and he was making sure nobody got hurt uh but this this all leads into kind of the the formal high school strength and uh conditioning preparation and uh that was that was pretty good from high school like we didn't we didn't win a whole whole lot of games but one thing we did was uh protect our athletes and i'll almost credit to it's either the class above me or two classes above me because they there are two high schools in my town, one that wins a state championship year, and then my team, right? We get our dicks kicked in a lot. Andy Dalton torched me for 60. That's no big deal, but... Um, wow, Andy Dalton? So, so you're in the... What's that? Andy Dalton? The yeah, yeah, he, he's, he went to Katie High School, yeah. Wow, so, that's amazing. It's because you didn't have Luke on your team. 
That's right, dude. You're on the receiving I really end. don't know if Luke would have survived. Oh, dude, this is Texas football. I am football. like a fucking cockroach, man. You can't kill me. You can't beat me down. Can't do it. Yeah. Um, dead horse. Can't can't beat you down. Um, yeah, so um, formal, formal strength training because two classes or the class above me, they were tired of losing, so they got into steroids. What? So these guys started freaking juicing up, and then the coaches – Guys that had baseball scholarships were blowing up their shoulder in the weight room. So guys that had future in other sports aside from football, but football was life. They were getting torn up. So the coaches are, ah, we got to step back. So we turned into overhead. What's that? How do they go about getting steroids? I I have I don't I have an answer to that I question. Gotta, you, I'll I'll let you know afterwards. I'll get All you right. the guy. No, I <laughs> no. I really honestly number. have no idea. Uh, it wasn't my scene, but our training trends. It's got to be. Here's the thing. It's got to be like older brother. You know, like older brother playing college sports because uh, that's the thing. Like oh. maybe I just wasn't a resourceful high school kid, but I couldn't get my hands on any drugs. Not that I was even looking, but like nothing ever got offered to me like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But we had talks about it. Like, coach was like, no, don't do drugs, guys. And we're like, why did you want to fucking do that? But Yeah, I don't know. But they changed the program. So instead of lifting big weights, it was overhead squats, front squats, a lot of uh, kind of power clean skill work, and a shit ton of uh, change of direction and speed stuff. It was great. It was a great program. So the coaches essentially defaulted to that to protect their guys so they didn't get hurt in training. And just st- try to stand a chance to win. Did we? No. But they uh, coaches made some moves. Um, so as I got older and closer to varsity, right, that's quintessential Texas football. You face a crossroads your junior year. So the crossroads that I face is as a junior, you either get bumped up to varsity and opportunity to start or just be a solid backup, get some experience underneath the lights and ready for next year. Or you play JV. So essentially my my small group of friends, they decided to take the sophomores above us to get them some experience underneath their belts. So they overlooked my entire class to give the sophomores just one, two, three years underneath the lights for an opportunity to stand a chance against the Katy High Schools. So they overlooked us. And then these are what I refer to, or uh, Jim Kiabasso. Uh, a great coach up north refers to as a transaction coach, mm. right? These coaches were thinking about their jobs, not thinking about developing the team and tight knit group. Okay. Uh, so it, it sucked. It, it was, you know, it, the cool kids are on varsity and you're just some junior on JV. It, it was not an, uh, a very fun experience, but chip on our shoulder. Uh, we went in just freaking kicked asses JV while the, the varsity got their dicks kicked in. And we did one thing that essentially changed my life forever. And we started a lacrosse team. Oh. So at 16 years old, we said, well, we're leaders, we're winners. Uh, we banded together and we beat the, the 10th lacrosse team in Texas. So who coached you guys? Uh, did you get, grab a coach or you, how did that we, work? We went to a summer league. So rosters were always already established before the football season began. We went to a summer league and literally were asking just old men, Hey, uh, we need a coach. And we got a guy, um, great man, Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh's his last name. And he volunteered his time. He did not teach us any skill work in lacrosse. We just played six on six and just beat the shit out of each other. And he made sure we had a good time. So he, um, his his nephew actually played in one state at Katy. Um, 
owns a CrossFit gym at, in uh, New Braunfels and he came to our seminar. So it was kind of a, uh, enlightening moment when his nephew came and like, uh, I, you know, thanked him because his, co- his uncle as a coach really, uh, created an opportunity for me to fall in love with the sport. And then that sport got me to college. So Wait, you played, the, you played lacrosse in college also. Yeah. So we, I played football with a stick. So the only reason I, I was not skilled enough, the only reason I was able to step onto the field in college is because, you know, I ran fast, lifted weights and beat the, the living shit out of people. So it was not because of skill. It was because I was a linebacker with a stick. So where did um, you end up going to college at? Uh, Marymount University, a D3. Um, yeah, D3 all-star over here. Luke, Luke as well. So. <laughs> Um, you know, and that, that led to college strength and conditioning. So the journey continues and I'll, I'll freaking button up here in a, a second here. But, um, so it was my expectation, right? D three ball strength and conditioning coach, or excuse me, college ball strength and conditioning coach. Um, athletes are going to college to play the sport. They're going to do strength and conditioning. And I'm coming from, um, a pretty good high school strength program. And it's my expectation. I'm going to walk in and just hit the ground running with the, with the team, the coaches, everything from strength. I walk in and there is no weight room. There's a fitness center with no squat rack. So walking into here, I'm thinking, all right, well, all I know my entire life is lift weights, run as fast as you can and play your sport. Drink beer. I can't. So I, I had to find a high school to donate a squat rack. And then it was just, Hey, we got these rusty weights. I'm lifting weights. Come with me. Uh, so immediately took charge, like I said, leader winner and, uh, took on the responsibility. So for four years started on the team, three-year team captain, but was just lifting weights, running, playing lacrosse. And, um, you know, we, we won some games. We didn't win as many as we should, but none of the guys invested as they should right into the weight room. Cause they didn't value it because there's, there's no, it's much like soccer. There's no connection between the sport yeah. and the weight room. Let's just go run more. That that should be enough for oh, us to be fit. God, right? Yeah, killed Again. me. Killed me. Like the only way to get in shape for lacrosse, soccer is playing the sport. Yeah. So yeah, running five k, running all these uh, all this different long distance stuff does nothing for the sport. So, um, yeah, I'll. I'll um, is that also where your formal education for strength and conditioning kind of uh, started? Is, is that something you studied? No. So I have a, a master's in health behavior change. So it was more on the, the psychology side of things because my school, we didn't have strength and condition. We didn't have a weight room. So there was no formal education, any education. I, if you name a certification, I have it. It's all been a passion and interest um, and no uh, mentor other than John Wellborn and Raphael Ruiz to guide and direct that information or seeking that information. And... Um, so I, I can't tell you what it, a, a college system approach is like, whether it's beneficial or not, because I, I didn't go through that. Yeah, we've it's been talking. More, we've been talking about that a lot because uh, we also have the non-traditional route. Like, oh, we found CrossFit, and then that opened up the door of us understanding and then following through with kind of what uh, traditional strength and conditioning. And then Ronnie just went to the um, was the NC NSCA NSCA. Sorry. Um, Text, did you go? The NSCA? No, I go to the coaches' conference every year. So that's more more my speed, uh, more uh, college 
strength and conditioning versus um, the national conference, which is fitness, science, you name it, and NSCA. Yeah, so, so it's, it's always a conversation because now that we have been working with athletes, it's like, well, if we're trying to send you to college, you also have to be able to speak the language um, that those traditional, quote, um, strength coaches are talking um, and just be able to the, uh, to know what um, your athletes are going to get into. Um, so I'm very appreciative of, like, CrossFit and then you guys opening up the doors and us following through. None of us have formal education. It's just also been a passion, uh, which has been great. And it's, uh, its own reward, right? Like I've never studied this hard before. Like I wish I would have not wasted my time in college, but, um, it's way more rewarding now. I just, I don't know. See, this is what, this is my tinfoil hat. Another, another, I guess, fun fact is every, uh, every Sunday, my folks and I, would watch this was going to be the one thing is it really no x files and go to this peppy's mexican restaurant right that was every sunday for like and if you fucking watch the x files that's like 10 years of my life bro there's 10 (laughs) seasons of x files the reason i'm telling you this is i'm kind of a tinfoil hack guy a little conspiracy guy and i just don't buy into like the formal education approach not necessarily i'm not saying it doesn't work okay let me backtrack as well that's not the only way to build competency and shit and i know just from working with very technical people in the computer science world none of those a lot of those fuckers who make a lot of money in corporate don't even have a fucking college degree but they just self-taught themselves uh, obviously self-taught computer science and computer programming and shit like that and they're they're amazing you know you and especially now with the freedom of information it's just like dude it's but with self-teaching becomes application. So yes. Yeah. Where I absolutely benefit from was not, so we didn't even get to it, but Luke, uh, Luke moved out to California and had the opportunity to work, you know, face to face with John. I would just get readings and I was on the East coast. So I would have to read and do all this research, but then guess who I would had the opportunity to apply it to. So not, not gen pop people within, uh, within the gym, it was actual athletes who were my responsibility. So at G-Town, it wasn't taking on the football team, right? I'm learning about CrossFit football, but I didn't earn the, the right to work with the football team yet. So I had to apply all these to, to, to the rowers, to the, the women's lacrosse team. So it was looking at this as movement and athleticism versus training for football. So it, it, opportunity just to, to work especially with the female athletes at g-town to apply these things that i was reading and seeing it unfold but that was the self-taught is application mm-hmm. so what's missing in the college so i absolutely benefit still that formal education is the lack of opportunities to apply under also mentorship yeah oh, 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 a yes, trusted yes, mentor yes. right so that now those are like the three prongs in my opinion of education is obviously the information transfer or what take learn the info apply the info and have some motherfucker tell you direction hey dipshit you're fucking it up and then so my that's how i learned especially moving out with john so i moved from chicago after i went to this seminar yeah yeah. six months after you got to tell this story yeah yeah about six months after this crossfit football gig you know i i think what the the phrase I used when talking about going to that CrossFit football seminar in Naperville in 2011 was it pulled back the curtain. Um, 
I think much like you guys, you know, you like, dude, you just become passionate about this and you, you become a sponge and you start cracking, you know, cracking the bone, sucking the marrow out. And back then this was 2000 when I really was passionate about training. It was like 2008, nine and like had this big learning opportunity, you know, that, that learning curve where you're just learning so much. Um, but there's no fucking info out like there is now, you know what I mean? Like there was such a gap between the info pushed by the CrossFit echo chamber and then this traditional strength and conditioning world that I was not even like scrap. Like I wasn't, I was light years away from even unveiling any information there, you know? So I was all within CrossFit blogs, cross CrossFit forums, uh, you know, talking to other CrossFit coaches. It was just an echo chamber. And then when I went to this seminar that, said specifically what CrossFit is good for and how that relates to sports and how we can modify any training system for that matter to maximize skill transfer for sport. Like I, for some reason I felt like I, I had lied to myself or someone had lied for, to me for the past three years that I am like preaching this stuff to people. And I was just mortified yeah. at how little I realized I knew at that point. And, and I say that shifted my coach's trajectory because I don't know. What if I didn't go to that seminar, dude? I'd probably still be fucking like one of the bad coaches in CrossFit. Like just honestly just slinging fucking movement at people, trying to burn them down until they sizzle, you know? The, the same cue over and over and oh, over again. Yeah, over, over, <laughs> over. All right, active shoulders, hips back, active knees out, active shoulders, hips back, knees out. Good job. Fuck. You know, like those are just words. Um Anyway, so yeah, I, I have this very positive, ex- well, actually negative experience, but I like, um, I don't know. It was a, an a, awakening. Okay. So, uh, yeah. I want to get to this too. Uh, so like a, a moment of clarity and mm-hmm. awakening, cause Luke and I have a similar experience that posed, uh, that posed a question that we needed to answer. And then the answer was found mm-hmm. with Wellborn. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was like six months after this, you know, you go to these seminars and even like the NSCA, I'm sure, uh, Ronnie is like, uh, you just get kind of amped up and you start digging in, you know, like you you, you align your focus on the content provided by that seminar host or provider, right? They, they get you amped up. And at that time it was John's blog, talk to me, Johnny. And he published an article called, are you hurt or are you injured? And it was like four weeks. There's a four week gap of no blogs and people, I guess were busting his balls. And he, he had a little blurb in there that said, Hey, assholes, uh, sorry, this is late. My wife is pregnant with twins. I've got three businesses I'm trying to run. Uh, my office manager for CrossFit Balboa quit on me. If you want to get more blog posts, find me somebody who wants to work shitty hours, make basically no money and move out to fucking California. And, and I'm Luke, like, that's my, and Luke Roos raised his hand. <laughs> that's me. That's exactly what I want. You know? And this is right about that time that corporate BS I was talking about, uh, went down and I was just like, I needed, I needed to pull the ripcord because Dude, I never traveled. I grew up in the same 10-mile bubble. I went to grades, kindergarten, preschool, kindergarten, grade school, junior high school, high school, and college in the same 10-mile radius and then got a job in that bubble. Wow. And I was like – I imagine my my kids playing on the same football field, having the same coaches and teachers I did, like being the hometown guy. And whatever happened, man, I don't know what wires got crossed, but it was from my corporate gig. I'm like – Fuck this place. Double middies. I'm out of here. And I <laughs> did, hit up Wellborn. And he's you, like, have you ever been to California before that? Uh, yes, to San Diego. But like 
weekend trips with Bo, Bo Colombo <laughs> in uh, I mean, in uh, and then uh, you fucking, discovered the Newport girls. Oh, dude, no. So I had a girl at this time too. So she packed up with me. You know, I ended up blowing up my life in the Midwest. Had tons of friends, tons of family, uh, and we traveled across the country and started hit literally pulled the re- ripcord hit reset. And then I started managing CrossFit Balboa. And after a week or two, I asked John like, Hey, what certs do you want me to go on? And he like sat me down, shut the door, got all serious. And he's like, being on the seminar staff is not a right. It's a privilege. And you don't fucking know anything. And he was like, now get out of my office. <laughs> like you had to shut the door for that. How old were you at that, at that point? That's awesome. 27. Oh, nice. And I, and I, but like, I'm people, many people would take that, tuck their tail and walk out that door. But, and, and you know what? I just want to share this. That's a great point. And I mean, all of us here who continue to like listen to these guys who have a lot of years and experience in, in this game and many other different fields always share this idea of, you know, the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. And for all our younger athletes who are listening, this is like a critical point that you know luke and tex are are kind of backing too where where you might think you're the best on the field or on the court or whatever but it, the learning process should never stop and the higher you aspire to play the more you should seek to learn and and really to to help take you to that next level so. and and acquire the skill to learn when you get your shit kicked in by a coach who's pissed off at you or when you mess up, because that was another realization. Like, so John cracked a whip and told like, basically said, get, get on the fucking bench, man. You know? And, uh, you know, you could pout, but I took it as opportunity to be like, Oh, okay. I must not know anything. What do I need to know? You know? And then that started now this next chapter of this thirst for knowledge, which was simply like seminar scripting. Okay, all I really need to be able to do is recite this script like in my head. That's what I thought it was. And I come to find out it's much more than that. Right. It's it's knowing concepts so deeply that no matter who asks you a question, you can take it from any angle. Three sixty. You know what I mean? So I guess that was the next that was really my my next challenge or barrier that I had to break down uh, was, hey, like. You literally know nothing, and I knew I wanted to be on the seminar staff. I wanted to go travel the world, and that was it. So, yeah. it I I'm excited for like. Um, Text as can, a, can you guys see the back? See who's in the back here. Yeah, is that functional coach That's the functional king of social coaches. media? FC at FC FC. You're gonna say anything, coach? King, they can't tell hear you. King of social media. Tell him happy International Cat Day. Oh, happy International Cat uh, Day, Logan. Too soon. Too soon. He just stepped out of the Oh, room. yeah. They too did. Soon. We got to get that guy a new cat. Oh, yeah. Man don't. loves cats, guys. At Functional Coach, <laughs> he loves him kitty cats. Logan, don't listen to this episode. <laughs> um, it, it's always a very... Um, well, I've lost track. Oh. Well, ba- uh, one thing I wanted to bring up. You guys talk about how... Uh, Luke, you talk about this self-taught approach to, to what we do here. and um, But you guys have had the opportunity to meet a lot of D1 strength and conditioning coaches. Do you feel that kind of maybe find itself within, that, w- within these guys? Or do you feel they're still, you know, the traditional approach to learning and, and improving their skills as a, as a strength and conditioning coach? Well, and one thing about the self-taught approach is it – 
it'll get you, I, I don't want to say self-taught, but non-traditional in the sense that you kind of seek this knowledge at ad hoc, like as you need it. You know what I mean? Oh shoot. I need to learn how to coach a volleyball player. Let me learn about volleyball strength and conditioning, for example. Um, but it all is based off of that mentor role, which John played for both Tex and I, and just coincidentally through John, we had access to really, really smart people, right? So through that access, uh, accessibility that just enriches that learning experience. But in terms of, um, a lot of the, let's call them traditional coaches now, whether they can even be private or, um, within that team sport environment, I think there are within team sports for sure. You need that traditional, uh, education, right. And Tex, I'm going to volley over to you because you need, um, a bachelor's in it. Yep. Do you need a master's? Yes. And then you need the national accreditations. Yeah. One or the other. So there's two governing bodies. One is the NSCA to be a college strength and conditioning coach. You need your CSCS. Mm-hmm. And the second is the collegiate strength and conditioning coaches association, mm-hmm. CSCCA. And their cert is the SCCC. And that is, uh, I know, I know guys, a lot of acronyms. <laughs> ABC. But yes, that is, uh, that's one of those two, two are going to be the requirement to become a, a collegiate strength and conditioning coach. And, You'll see, unfortunately, there's some player deaths that occur every summer. And um, one Oregon, we had a, a bunch of rhabdo ca- cases of rhabdo, right, in um, in spring training. And then we had a, an athlete die in June at Kent State. And those coaches got found out. They did not have one of the uh, certifications from the governing bodies. And now this puts the team liable for those those athletes deaths because they hired this individual who is not uh, not prepared with a base level of knowledge to then become a strength coach so if you want to become a strength coach um one don't do it because <laughs> it's the only only profession in which you need a master's degree to get an internship um number two if you go that route uh, you got to be one, a division one football player. You have to be, uh, to coach division one football strength and conditioning, be a division one mm-hmm. strength, uh, football player. Why is that? And, uh, because connecting with an athlete at that level, right. It needs to be, they, they look to your experience. Got it. If you played high level, then they think, okay. This guy did it. I'm going to learn from him and go to the next level. So it's either, you know, NFL or, you know, the top dogs, Ohio States and all those good, you know, programs are in the top five consistently. Athletes, no matter your level, um, Kennesaw State, right, uh, lower level that we got a friend, um, Jim Carizzi, he's out there. And he's one of the few that are Division three all-stars that are breaking into the mold and the mix. And he's found an amazing way to connect with these athletes, but, uh, all the coach most, not all, but most of the coaching for Kennesaw state, they bring in former D one athletes to then connect with the player. So he has an opportunity to apply the knowledge, but make the connections with the former athletes that have it. So if you want to coach any other division one sport, you don't. You can be a D three all star. You can be a non collegiate sport. Soccer, all-star. here I come. Soccer, here I come. Do you guys? Feel yeah, well, like you guys get a lot of pushback from these D one coaches or D one athletes personally. 
so I reason I go to the conferences. I go to two every year. One, the NSCA coaches, and then second is the CSCCA um, conference in May is to start to break down those walls. Why? Because I'm a freaking 5'8 white guy lacrosse player. And so where I'm going to wow them is connection, connection over the information, putting the athletes first. So this is not – and the beauty of being a member of Power Athlete is I can walk around and I'm rocking a T-shirt. You know, I'm not wearing it right now, but I'm watching a T-shirt with Luke's – Luke's got it on right now. He is wearing a, a shirt, logo. though. He's wearing a shirt, though. First time today. I, I don't have an authority. So I can walk up to anybody in there and start to have a conversation. The rest of these guys that are in the sport, um, the sport polos. Yeah, there's a political fabric to like to navigate, right? They are just polo chasing. They're chasing logos on chest, right? It's, if you're rocking, you know, an, an LSU, you're going to look down on anybody else. And that is an unfortunate reality within the, the collegiate strength and conditioning level. It's unfortunate. So there's and, no uh, uh, shared, uh, shared knowledge? Is, is it like opposite of CrossFit, I guess? I don't I think know. it's case by case depending on your staff. That's just my gut feel. Tex knows more so. But just in discussions we've had with guys who have gone team sport to, uh, to private training outside of the team, um, you know, it's guarded to a point, And then all of a sudden you realize – it doesn't matter, you know. Just like that that journey you talked about, the more you learn, the the more you realize you don't know anything. Yeah. Uh, I think that within that strength coach's journey, you get to a point where all of a sudden you realize that you're not doing anything special. There's no magic sets and numbers. Like, you know, what's special is the 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 experience and community and, and camaraderie that you create in a weight room, right? That no one can recreate because it's a yeah. it's an element of you, it's an extension of you. You know, and that's like I think that's where Carici is pretty special. Is that's and, and and it's just you're hitting that moment in which you know you you drop the shield, mm-hmm. and you realize, hey, athletes first, and not you know not being a, a the ego coach first. Like this is not about it's not about them. It's about the athletes. So anybody who thinks I'm doing something special, it's me, me, me. They're going to get found out eventually. One, one great thing about, and, and that's a big point, and I'm, I've really started to kind of dig into that idea of, you know, the ego, the ego. Um, one th- great thing about the Deuce brand and, and Logan and all of us here have really bought into this idea of, of accepting uh, criticism and feedback and, and going back to athletes. Like, that's a big thing. If, if you're looking to, to grow and develop, you, you have to seek out that, that quote-unquote negative feedback. In or, and that's where progression is. The, that is where improvement is. At least the biggest margin of improvement comes through that negative feedback. And, and, and yeah, my experience, some coaches have a very high ego and maybe don't – and then that stops them from, from taking that step forward or progressing or really helping the team – you know, improve and, and take their their game to the next level. So, yeah, it's a, I just wanted 100%. to share that. Have either of you coached um, sports teams before, like, uh, 100% strength coach? Uh, what was that experience, if you have? Yeah, I was uh, a graduate assistant, so I coached uh, grad school two years and then one uh, just year on the lacrosse staff. So, again, took over coaching responsibilities for the team that I played for. And that has helped me 100% become a strength and conditioning coach because now I have this perspective, right? Coaches, strength and conditioning coaches, you want to be selfish. We're going to do this program, that, this and that. But then you forget that they also have 
freaking two, three hour practices, five days right. a week. So, and then it has forced me to develop a relationship with the sport coach or go to the athletic trainer and develop a relationship to say, all right, who's in, who's out, who's nagging, what, what's going on here. So it allows a connection to be made and you can mold your program off of that. So a lot of people, you know, they, they build their program and they force you to stick to it and they don't take into consideration the other demands that a student athlete, student athlete has going on. So final school, all that good stuff. So, uh, just that three year experience has helped me, uh, build connections and always benefiting the athlete first and foremost. When you guys, when you were working with these teams, um, how did you address like the athlete telling you, Hey, um, I'm getting tired of this linear progression or whatever program you had them on, um, whether they told you or you kind of saw their, their body language, like how was, what was your tactics to kind of keep them on course? Uh, so I worked with some kids in Newport Beach, their basketball team, and uh, they didn't even know there was a different program from the linear progression. It just was the linear progression. And that was from the start. But I had the I was fortunate enough to go into um, like they had no organized strength. They had a weight room and they would just go in there and do what they thought was right. So we changed the whole culture and vision of what their program was going to look like. We rebuilt their weight room. So, dude, I've never ran into that. And uh, I would I I just suspect um, that you got to do smoke and mirrors, man. You just got to manage, manage what I like to say, manage the experience. Right. So you have to have in, include within the program and maybe compromise on maximal, uh, uh, you know, accelerated adaptation or efficacy and just do some fun shit outside of that we have a reward system outside of the lp but the thing is if you only got 40 minutes with a kid it's going to be pretty monotonous right yeah. so i don't but know tex if you ran into uh at that level though regardless of anything that you do it's going to help um mm-hmm. and i feel bad for your your newport beach team because i went to modern day so it wasn't really going to help anyway <laughs> <laughs> but you know what they had fun right <laughs> yeah and everybody gets a trophy but uh no they uh they I guess that it was good timing for that coach. Um, his words, not mine. Um, because a lot of talent had left and they needed to have like start to out hustle guys and out muscle guys. And so he, that's why they ended up pulling us in. It was a friend through a friend type deal that knew John and, uh, and we changed the culture of their team and it be, they became scrappers. You know what I mean? Weight room wins. Yeah. Well, honestly he was, he was calling them weight room wins. I like that. So, um, new hashtag. Yeah. There you go. Um, do you guys, do you still or in the past of what type of resistance have you gotten from parents and how do you go about managing that? Right. Um, so go. Uh, I like systems. I like approaches just to kind of work through things fast. And so I, I've summed up connecting with parents and coaches and there's three, three appeals. If you can master these three appeals, strict like Novocaine, they'll answer any coach or or parents' questions. So what you want to appeal to, and you have to find, you have to connect and talk with the parent, you appeal to performance. So this, you know, the dead bugs, this linear progression, this is going to help their performance, their scholarship. You know, just find terms that they're going to connect to that they'll buy in performance. The second is going to be 
injury prevention. You're talking to the mamas out there. We're going to talk linear progressions can help build some, some armor, put some meat on those bones, you know, a meat suit that's going to help with injury prevention and concussions. What, and then the final one's going to be skill acquisition. So this is when maybe a parent comes to you because they had previous strength coach that it wasn't working. Well, now we're going to talk about skill acquisition. So a big part of the linear progression is establishing what we refer to as a base level of strength. There are many components to a base level of strength, but the two primarily are biomechanical efficiency, meaning if I ask my athletes to, you know, shoulders back, raise your hands, bend your knees, just giving them uh, a body movement task, they can execute it, biomechanical efficiency. And the second is neurological efficiency. So we're talking very skill, finite skill demands, uh, neurological efficiency, like jumping, like a goalie. You want to be very explosive and direct in the direction you're jumping. You don't want to just jump to jump. You want it to be as accurate as possible. So those are two after all the reps and consistency to uh, levels of coordination efficiency that you develop. So they in turn make an athlete more coachable. So being on the program, you know, we got bedrock out there, which is a, a linear progression to really drive many of these factors that will help the athlete and then accelerate their skill acquisition. So three appeals. Um, and that's worked that's for huge. everyone I've ever yeah. talked. Usually I find I try to explain too much and I lose people and I'm like, it does this, 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 it does everything. Um, and then I kind of find myself like, well, almost not answering what they're kind of looking for. Um, but those three, three points kind of, um, if, uh, it get permission to would like to borrow, uh, cause Steal it, 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 it helps a lot. Um, cause I'm, I have like 13 year olds where they're like, um, I don't know what, if we should be lifting weights. And I was like, well, lady, it was a med ball. And then you did a 15 pound bar, which is lighter than your 20 pound med ball. But I know we're all going to lose our shit cause it looks like a barbell. Um, but I, th- I think that helps a lot kind of clarify the message that we're trying to accomplish, um, with the training that we do in the gym. And I yeah. built in, built that off of Luke's superficial and deep meaning. Mm-hmm. You want to explain those? Well, it's just, uh, you, you gotta, you gotta read the parent, right? What do they want to hear superficially? What are we doing? Or what's the deep meaning? Right. And, uh, old story floating around. I'm not, I'll be honest with you. I'm not sure whose it is. So I'm just going to say it's mine. Okay. But I was training these Newport housewives and, uh, you know, couldn't get them to roll out. Right. We all understand the importance and benefits of myofascial release and, you know, improving recovery rate and reducing DOMS. And they didn't like it cause it hurt, you know? So I didn't really know how to connect with them. And, uh, what I ended up telling them was, Hey, if you would, re- if you roll out, it will reduce cellulite, right? Oh, my God. So there we go. Then all these honeys get on these rollers, and they start rolling out every day. Yes. Now, does it directly reduce cellulite? No. But theoretically, if you recover faster, get more training in in a smaller window of time, we drive a more potent training response, and that cellulite will go away eventually, right? But, you know, it's, it's making the connection. And this is like a Dale Carnegie deal, right? How to make friends and, you know, get to know or win how to win people over and make influence. friends influence and make friends. Fuck. Thanks. Tax. But you just like, you, you make the connection. Like that's the biggest thing. If, if you can, um, earn the trust, get to know them, get them to like you. I think you, you can get away with a lot more now. You know what, what this discussion brings me back to is our podcast with Jeff Nichols, 
where he, you know, he runs S and C spot out of, um, out East. Uh, yeah. Virginia high performance. Yeah. And, Virginia uh, beach basically he sits the family down and then have like, I think he has the kid leave and he like, he lectures the parents like, don't fuck with me, man. You know, like, let me do what I do. I do this. Like, I'm not a dipshit. Don't come in here questioning what we're doing. And then like kicks them out before they ever sign a contract. Just set, um, the, set the yeah, expectation ahead of time. Yeah. yeah and he, he finds out if it's for the kid, the kid wants it or, or the, the parent. parent wants it, you know? And, uh, and I'm, I'm putting a crass tone to what he actually does. I think perhaps sometimes there's a little more, uh, tact to this discussion, but it is aligning expectations out of the gate. And, you know, most importantly for him, like the big thing he talked about is the parents that give him the most trouble are the ones who are putting their kid in there for themselves, the parent, you know, the kid doesn't even want to be there. So parents speak too early. Mm -hmm. One thing that kind of just came up to my, to, to my mind was how uh, Texas answered really spoke to the psyche and the psychological aspect of, of coaching. And I mean, I hope, correct me if I'm wrong, Tex, but I got to spend a weekend with you and I felt like you were really like the books you were reading, very psychologically based, a lot of, a lot of like the, the, the psyche, the mindset behind approaching relationships and stuff like that. And do you feel like, is that a big part of your coaching approach? Like understanding the psych- psychological aspect of dealing with athletes, whether, you know, they're in a good mood, bad mood, time of the season. Is that a big aspect to your coaching? Uh, I would say it's everything because, you know, you can put up huge ass numbers. You can do all this stuff in the weight room physically but then I've seen way too many teammates like I've lost games. Our team has lost games because of individuals have disappeared up their own asshole. So just taking that, I hate, I hate losing with every ounce of my being. So if I can take an athlete and then set them up for a, a mental success and you can give everything that you have, right, and you're set up for not just disappearing uh, failing or like Luke, when Luke got a scolding from, from John, he didn't, you know, he didn't disappear. He took it as a challenge. So every single day in training the weight room, that's an opportunity to fail and learn something. So we approach it to attack the mental limiting factors for an athlete. So there are three mental limiting factors, again, systems, approaches, protocols. This is what I enjoy us uh, cause they can become replicable in the weight room. There are three limiting factors for uh, when it comes to the mental aspect of an athlete. The first is going to be self-esteem, right? An athlete's true perception of their abilities. That can be way too low, right? And that you have to bring that athlete up or even worse, their self-esteem is way higher than what it actually is. And false numbers, shooting numbers in the weight room, this is what sets athletes up for failure on the field, gives them a false sense of preparation. I can't stand that. So it's establishing a self-esteem, being honest with your athletes, and then getting them to understand the weight room provides that because, you know, the iron never lies. You had an opportunity to fail and, and fix this day in and day out, but a coach is there to provide direction, not just set the athlete up for failure. You have to use it as a teachable moment. Um, second one is going to be concentration. The beauty of the weight room is you are focusing your whole being on one movement, one aspect So guess what happens in sports and baseball? You have to focus on the task at hand. You have to focus on and give everything you have selective attention towards 
being successful at this. So weight room is just countless opportunities at focusing and practicing concentration. And finally, so we got self-esteem, concentration, and fear. This is huge because we want fear. There are fear, two types of athletes. You have fear thoughts athletes who take it and then they, they create the end of the outcome and then they, it turns into a self-fulfilling prophecy. And the second one, you have fear action athletes, right? What happens when we get scared? All these freaking bio systems fire in our body. We get a little bit of energy and it's like, oh, let's fucking go fight or flight. You know, flight even helps in sports sometimes, but that's what we want to turn it into. So you can create a fear environment in the weight room, right? You can, uh, we love to introduce it in what we call field strong, field work, right? It's tires, it's kegs, a lot of the strongman stuff that y'all have going on at Deuce, right? A 13-year-old kid walks into Deuce and he's like, what the hell is that? Well, that's a keg and you're going to lift it up. And they just have a moment of fear, right? And But guess what? Then you coach them up. You give them the opportunity to lift the keg, to do all the crazy shit that we, we see on y'all's YouTube and Instagram. And then guess what? It, it turns back into self, self-esteem, confidence, all this stuff. So, uh, you know, those, those are three different limiting factors to attack, but at the same time, they're all connected. And guess what the, the constant thing is? That's, that's weight training program. Yeah. So it's, it's, that's coaching. It's not just fucking drawing out this, this and writing a program on a piece of paper. No, it's applying it so you can turn an athlete and take them where they cannot take themselves. What is that book coming that's out? Huge. I, man, I, can I pre-order that book text? Like we need to have that now, you know? It's a sequel to Logan's book. I'm basically going to take everything that he missed <laughs> and then answer those questions. That's is awesome. it going to be called Go Left? Is, is his Go Right? <laughs> go Right book. His is Go Right. No, no, right. no. Go Left. Go <laughs> Left. That's awesome. Hey, guys. Um, you know, if, if you guys had the opportunity to broadcast one message to, you know, high school athletes, coaches, uh, and maybe even parents, is there something you would really want to get out there and for these for these people in these populations to really understand when it comes to, to development, athletic development, human development. Um, is there something that comes to mind with, when it comes to a, a lot for you guys? <laughs> um, let's see. I guess first and foremost, it's a long road, right? Yeah. So there are no shortcuts. There are no hacks. And along with that, you know, hopefully you have a, a strength coach worth his weight and salt. Like, you know, or if you're – if you're fortunate enough to hit the guys at Deuce Athletics, like let your co- let the coaches do their job. You're not going to come up with a better way. You're not. You don't know more than that. Or fuck, maybe you do, but even j- just have faith in the program, right? And that's a lot of you know what Adam Nelson talks about and some of those guys at Summer Strong, right? Even the shit the shittiest program will produce bigger results if you have 100% faith in it, right? So if you, the athlete, or you, the coach, or you, the parent, can just have faith in and push that down to the athlete because it's the athlete first. Let the coach do what he does best. And, you know, uh, before that, vet that coach. And we, we got a pretty decent book out called From Good to Great. And it's Evan Nash, Travis Mash, and John Wellborn uh, kind of talk about that. They talk about how to, how to find uh, a good strength coach, you know, and the questions to ask and make sure you go to the right place. So just make sure you get to the right place and then honestly step back and let the transformation occur. Yeah. Cool. Um, So we got like a fire round of questions. Um, Don't think about it too much. Just kind of uh, think about the first 
or shout out the first thing that comes to mind. Some of them are cool. Some of them are funny. Uh, you can rock, paper, scissors, who goes first. But the first question is your favorite book recommendation or book that you're currently reading? Text. Uh, Luke doesn't read books. <laughs> no, a text reads the books for me, and then I just argue with them what they're about. And <laughs> with that said, I'm going to go ahead and recommend. It's a book called Thank You for Arguing. And it takes a kind of a modern-day approach to teach you rhetoric. And then rhetoric is necessary to be a strength coach. I'm sure it's very beneficial to be a parent. I don't have that opportunity just yet. But um, it teaches you how to argue and argue in, in a sensible way that which you can come to a conclusion that's going to benefit everybody. So that's where a lot of the, you know, the term appeals came from reading this book. But thank you for arguing. And when did you start reading this? Oh, <laughs> see, I've read it multiple times over, sir. And how come you're not getting any better at this? I am. Does it come in Spanish? Is it written in uh, Spanish? Probably. It, it's, it's I have a difficult, part, a difficult time reading if it doesn't come in Spanish. Luke, what book you got? Um, I, my, what I'm listening to, my shit's very stale. So I am reading Rob's Wired to Eat, and by reading it, I just started it. But then I'm listening to, I'm a big audiobook guy, um, Pricing Innovation. And it's just the, you know, again, being on the operations kind of business side of the organization, text, make sure that we are sorted in shit like telling a kid how to squat. I would so hard about that. Okay. But then I am in charge of the enterprise. I'm just making myself sound smart. So, um, it's no, the it's, IT you know, in you. We're, we're building a bunch of courses and uh, trying to figure out what, what is the right price point for a lot of this stuff, you know, how we value it versus how, you know, the end user values it, how the parent might value it. And that's a lot of the shit pipeline. So I'm getting back into the whole pricing um, framework on, on a lot of this stuff. So the pricing innovation. Cool. Next one. Favorite music artist. You want to go on first text? Sure. The darkness. No question about it. To, uh, I'm, I'm on a panic at the disco. Kick. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's awesome. All right. Boxer or briefs? Nah. None. None. <laughs> Boxer briefs. Just skid marks on my jeans. <laughs> uh, morning daily habit. What's the first thing you do in the morning to get going? Fucking coffee, dude. What's your favorite? Coffee, throw some... Do you guys have like a favorite a coffee brand in a or pan, something? Throw it in the oven and then heat it up. Whatever. I don't know what food it's going to be. Today was tamales and shredded chicken. Um, tomorrow is going to be ribs and shredded chicken. So, yeah, get ready to train. Tex? Uh, train. So Luke wanted to have our, our barbell club at a, a nice tea time, 10 a.m., and uh, I just pushed it back to the morning. Convince the well-born to make it happen. That was for Harry, though. What time? Harry hasn't been there the past two days. I know, because he can't make it at 7. He can make it at 10, Dex. See, I'm a team first guy. Tex is a big selfish guy. And that's where, you know, there's there's conflict and rigidity in our relationship. But uh, so we're, we're training at 7 a.m. Sunrise is between 6.30 and 6.45. So you and got we time don't have to... power in the new gym yet. Oh, you got time to sleep in then? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> It's nice. Uh, all right. First thing that comes to mind, because this could get complicated, favorite exercise or movement? Boom. Go. Step up. Uh, jam the jammers. Jammer arms on our soaring next rigs. Ooh. Those are dirty. Those are sexy. Uh, yeah. 
your favorite piece of advice given or have received? Ooh. A man with a choice is a man with a problem. Opportunity cost. I got one. Reach for the stars and you'll land on the you'll land on the roof. Reach for the roof and you'll remain on the sidewalk. <laughs> That's Nana McQuilkin, isn't That's it? Nana McQuilkin. Damn. All right. And then, so we have kind of a reoccurring questions that we answer on the podcast. We'll go first, and if you have one that you'd like to share, you can add it in. Uh, first one I got is a favorite post of the week. This is coming from 1080 Motion. I don't know if any of you follow them online. Uh, it's basically a football player, and it has a kind of a bubble on injuries on the football player per year. The caption goes, anyone knows any good recipes for injury prevention for the year of the of 2016 at the NFL? Let's start out with an untraditional answer. Power, speed, endurance, mobility, and force. All these factors will contribute to the player not being hurt. Basically saying, let's train year-round. We won't go into the specifics of it, but kind of like what you talked about, better bodysuit is just going to protect us year-round. So shout out to them, 1080 Motion. The NSCA official account posted uh, something that I really enjoyed. It said, uh, success is the sum of small efforts repeated day in and day out. Very simple. We hear this all the time, but, you know, it kind of backs up to a lot of the major points we've talked about and what Luke talked about, just trusting the process, putting in the work day to day, and and over time it's going to turn into something special. For me, it's uh, Squat University. Athletes need good food, sleep, plenty of water, consistency, and patience. Not training masks, pricey supplements, or a guru's training plan. Same thing along those lines, being patient and kind of trusting that process from whatever program you're in. Do you guys have any um, shout-outs or maybe kind of a shout-out to a program that you're trying to push right now? I know I saw that you guys were uh, coming up with your version or a different version of coaches prep. Do you want to maybe talk about that? Yeah, sure. That's our block one, basically coach's journey. So it starts with our power athlete methodology level one course, which is online at your own pace. Uh, we have we limit the, the enrollment to 100 students per semester. Uh, we are rolling out semester two right now. Semester one, about 20 folks are about wrapping up with their testing and then are actually coming out. This whole thing culminates with the in-person evaluation testing weekend friday saturday sunday tests at power athlete hq on the ranch and uh basically you know there's there's three waves of testing you know there's going to be kind of the rhetorical we're going to have a a discussion comprehension uh the next one's going to be just kind of teamwork leadership uh culture fit basically you're going to be on the ranch and you're going to be doing some really hard work as a team and we're going to see how you guys respond to it and uh then finally uh just kind of very practical evaluation of your ability to coach certain movements in front of John and in front of Tex. And uh, you're going to just kind of get the critique and, you know, our, our major, what well, we are evaluating is your ability to practically apply the information within the methodology course, right? So there's, there's that gap to bridge when it comes to the proverbial science and practice, right? As you guys know, uh, uh us, we've came, we've came from this very practical path of like, okay, we're working with these people. We're learning on the run. 
but now we're, we're introducing this new power athlete methodology to a lot of coaches and we want to make sure that they can bridge that gap. So it's really a 50% online experience and then 50% in-person accreditation. And then if you pass through that test, we uh, text myself and John are going to be in the shop actually fabricating blocks, three dimensional steel blocks. And those will be awarded to coaches who pass. And through that, you'll have access to our, our technologies, our Rolodex, uh, us as individuals, you know, first come at any of our upcoming seminars, uh, helping us with the seminar staff and our gigs, you know, so this is, this is that, that coach's journey to become, I guess, within, you know, part of that power athlete fold. That's awesome. That's a gangster. So do you guys have any other questions? Uh, I don't have anyone. No. Where, where can we find you guys online? You can find me, um, I guess, find Power Athlete, powerathletehq.com, Instagram, at powerathletehq, Twitter, at powerathletehq, Facebook, <laughs> powerathlete. What happened uh, to your myself? Snapchat? What happened to your Snapchat? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's out there. Uh, Snapchat, <laughs> powerathletehq. Uh, and then uh, I'm the Luke Summers on Instagram. Don't be fooled by any other Luke Summers out there. The real, the the other real Luke Summers is like a Luke fucking Summers. photographer kid who posts like once every four months. I'm like, bro, I'm, a, I'm, I'm interning under Logan, the king of social media, on how to work Instagram, right? Lots of cats. Yeah, dude, that and then coffee, cats, being hip in Venice, like really cool fucking hats. Don't get a haircut. Wow. Um, so I'm working on, on Logan. Going in on Logan, that's awesome. <laughs> and then, uh, so yeah, so that's that's where you find me is mostly on Instagram. What about you, Tech? Yeah, um, I guess Instagram's the best, and it's just my last name, McQuilkin, M C Q U I L K I N. Is that in Spanish? See, <laughs> <laughs> you can follow me at J L Guadarrama. Before we go there, I just want to take my I want to take a moment to thank you guys, um, Power Athlete, for what you guys have done in the past and what you guys are doing in the future, taking a very practical approach to strength and conditioning for athletes. I was highly influenced by you guys. I went to the seminar with John, Luke, and Callie, and it really helped me, you know, get going in what I do now. And so I just really want to thank you guys for what you guys are doing. You guys are powerful, and, and we, we're happy to have had this opportunity to sit down and chat with you guys, and we hope it's first of many. So thank you guys. You can follow me at Ronnie Lopez 21 You can follow me at Pasquale 6 yeah, it was pretty much opening the door, going into strength and conditioning. Uh, very first step. I don't know if you guys know that, but it's kind of how we've gone to where we are today. Yeah. So very grateful for that. And appreciate, That's awesome. Yeah. We appreciate all the knowledge that you put out there. Uh, we copy it and steal it all the time. Yeah, so we yeah. think That's it's why it's there. Right. Uh, thank you, guys. So if you see it in our stuff, thank you. Um, thanks for taking time out of your day. Uh, bye, Internet. Thank you, guys. Later. Thank you. See you all.